Listener Production. We're two days down and after Australia being bowled out for 295, it's a slender 12-run lead, which means that we're set for a one-inning shootout to decide the fifth and final test. Hello and welcome to Ashes Talk. It is Willow Talk's Ashes updates every single match day of the series. I'm Jack Heverin alongside Sam Ferris and Sam, we're two days in. We've had a little bit of everything, uh, including a very, 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 very slow start to day two yesterday. Welcome. I just can't with this series, Jack. Seriously. Uh, contrasting styles. England are trying to uh, revolutionise test cricket. It's a bit of a throwback by Australia on day two, taking it all the way back <laughs> to when two runs per over was considered blistering. Um, yeah, not the most entertaining first couple of hours, but uh, this game right in the balance, much like the first three tests, not much separating these teams. Uh, it's going to go right down to the wire again. The, the pleasing news, if you're listening to this, is that things did improve. Yes. Uh, but between Manus and, and Usman Kawaja, they were in absolutely no rush to start play on day two. England bowled pretty well, I thought, but nothing spectacular. Usman and Manus were happy to just leave everything and, and just slow play, basically. Yeah, and Steve Smith said after the game that there was no plan to do that. They were just told to bat normally, but it was the darkest overhead conditions you could ask possible with fast bowls being allowed to bowl. Uh, so conditions were certainly in England's favour, uh, much like it has been for a lot of this series, although Australia had uh, pretty good bowling conditions on day one and made the most of them. So, uh, you know, despite the difference in scoring rates, uh, teams landing on the same score would suggest that the bowlers had pretty good go at it. Remember, Australia essentially created 15 chances on day one, mm. shelling five catches. So plenty in it for the bowlers. And I've got to say, Test Creek's much more entertaining when the bowlers have a fair say as well. But yeah, that first couple of hours, that first hour Australia put on 21 runs in 14 overs and most of those were buys. So <laughs> it, was, it, it was tough to watch. But not exaggerating, that's true. Like that first scoring shot came in the fourth over and it was four buys whizzing down the leg side. I tell you what, Bairstow's keeping – Hasn't been great, but he, he, geez, he got unlucky with some of the buy calls. Uh, wasn't his fault. Some of them were untouchable, but uh, Australia dug in. And uh, the less we say about that first session, the better, because uh, Australia put on 54 runs at 26 overs and lost just the one wicket, but we should talk about the wicket. We should, um, and it's probably a good segue considering that Johnny Bairstow is involved in this one as well. So Ben Stokes, <laughs> much like he has done since the third test, every time he needs – Something to happen, he goes back to Mark Wood for another short spell. And it, Mark Wood's first spell was okay, but was a little wayward. He creates an edge. Manus with a thick, healthy edge trapped on the crease. Johnny Bairstow watches this thing go past him. It, it's missed his glove by millimetres. And Joe Root has to pull out an absolute worldie at first slip to try and save it because, oh, Johnny didn't move. Johnny didn't move. He watched it go sailing past him to his right side. That's the number one rule for a keeper you don't. That first slip, take a catch to the left. That's always your catch. And he just watched it by. And it's really weird because all that happened in a split second, right? But I remember watching it going, oh, he's got away with it. It's going to go for four. And yeah. then out sticks Joe Root's left hand. He plucks out a midair behind him. And it didn't even bobble. It went sweetly in there. One of the great catches. So talking about catch of this series, I don't know if I can think of a better one. Uh, there's been some tremendous drop catches, uh, spectacular drop catches. The Stokes one. Dropping Nathan Lyon comes to mind, but uh, maybe even maybe Johnny Bairstow had the catch of the of the series before that one. 
uh, taking Mitch Marsh at Manchester. But um, and, and he didn't even mean that one. I know. <laughs> Long footed <laughs> and, and stuck out that glove and it, and it stuck. So, uh, yeah, but the interesting one about that was um, Wood comes back. That's his first over of his new spell. And he beats Labuschagne with an absolute beauty. And Labuschagne is like exaggeratingly opening his eye saying, geez, it's hard to see. And it was very dark at that point. It's it's um, deceiving on TV because they exposed the image. So it looks a lot clearer than it actually is at the ground. And then as Labuschagne was walking off the crease, he was saying, it's really dark out here. He was he was quite animated to the umpire. Uh, I don't know if they were doing light ratings at that point, but the, the floodlights were on in full effect. Uh, so it couldn't have been easy with a bowl at that pace, getting it to nibble around. And the ball did seem a bit and swing for most of the day. But uh, Manus's tortured stay at the crease, I've got a stat about him later, which is quite alarming in terms of strike rates. But uh, nine off 82 balls, no boundaries was, uh, yeah, tough to watch. He's had a – and obviously there was a, a really important innings in there as well, but he's had an interesting series, mm. I reckon, Manus Labuschagne. There's been some times where he's really struggled to find his groove and get going. This was one of them. He was just surviving yesterday. And Usman Khawaja started the series in a blaze of glories. He was out for 47, not long after lunch. I think it was the fifth ball after lunch. Stuart Broad had him trapped in front. He made 47. It's one of those ones, Sam, where we, we were sort of joking about how slow the start to the the day was. Yep. But Manus goes, Kawaja goes not long after lunch. They chewed up a lot of balls and didn't score a lot. And it, it put Australia in a really tricky position. It did. And I guess we were thinking maybe this is a plan to just get overs in the legs of these fast bowlers for England. And they did look a bit tired at the back end of the day when the sun was out, but unfortunately Australia lost plenty of wickets at that point and couldn't capitalise. With no Mo and Ali out there because of that groin injury, it was just down to the four specialists and Joe Root. But Joe Root's a pretty handy off spinner, so it's not like they were dropping a lot in class there. No disrespect to Mo and Ali. I hadn't played test cricket for a number of years. But uh, perhaps that was the thinking. But Steve Smith said that wasn't the plan. So – I guess it was just Australia a bit timid, perhaps. This was a day where they could have taken the ashes away from England. And as we have seen throughout the series, when just when you think a team has that opportunity, they, they either falter, they either blink, or the other team rests it back. So, uh, yeah, that was a crucial wicket. Again, another one of those celeb appeals from Stuart Broad. Jeez, that annoys me. <laughs> it really it really yeah. stirs me up. But yeah. uh, it was out, and Uzi reviewed it, burned one. Uh, he's faced 1,100 balls in this series. Uh, I think I heard a stat that the last time an opener did that in Ashes series was Michael Atherton back in 1998. Fortunately, Usman's a little bit more easy on the eye than Athers. Yes, much easier. Some <laughs> of his drives down the ground, when he actually was trying to score, he was driving beautifully, yeah. was he? But he goes, Travis Head goes not long after that, Nick's out for four. Um, I'll give England credit here, and you know I don't really like doing this, but, but you have to. Yeah. Travis Head started the series so well, and they looked as if they had absolutely no idea how to bowl to him. The longer this series has gone, the better they've got when it's come to bowling to Travis Head. They've used the bouncer to effect, but then they've also used the pitched-up delivery with an extra fielder in the slips cordon when they're not trying to bounce him out. So credit to England here. that They found a way to get Travis Head out. Yeah, they, uh, they got inside the head of Travis Head, and uh, that was bad. It's early in the morning, Jack. I see what you did. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, they did use the short ball, but this one was the pitched-up delivery that got him, and uh, as soon as he nicked it, you heard the (laughs) groan from Travis Head, and it was easily caught by Bearstow. Yeah, contrasting series for Travis Head because it seems to have hit in one innings and missed in the other. So 
if we're going on form uh, and consistency, he's due for a big score in the second innings because Australia are probably going to need it with a run chase on their hands. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Marsh hit Stuart Broad for a monster straight yeah. down the ground. Unfortunately, though, it just got going, then chops on off Jimmy Anderson for 16. Jimmy's an interesting discussion here, Sam, and mm. it's probably one for the English media that they'll take apart when this series finishes. Um, he got a wicket. He bowled okay. That's probably been, I think, a bit of a summary of Jimmy's entire Ashes series. He's bowled okay, but that's probably about it. Yeah, he's bowled okay. Uh, this was a tough selection. Some calls for Josh Tung, Tong, Tung to be playing this game, giving that extra pace. He got those five wickets in his Ashes debut, so uh, it would have added that extra bit of pace to the attack. And Jimmy Anderson just has lost that zip. He said that, He has no plans to retire. He turns 41 tomorrow, so he is certainly in the twilight of his career. But we're looking at the stats here, and he's taken five wickets at 75 runs apiece in this series. You have to go back to 06, 07 when Australia beat England 5-0, and then in India in 2016-17 with conditions that are not conducive to pace bowling, where Jimmy has taken five wickets or less in three matches in a series. So it's not great. Uh, that 06 07 series, he was averaging 82 and striking every, 100, every 112 balls here at the moment. It's 168 balls. So he hasn't quite been that impactful. Uh, certainly his selection will come under scrutiny. If England lose this game, if they win, I think it's move on. Let's forget about it and hope he does better against the next opposition. But uh, yeah, big question marks, given that they have depth in their fast bowling ranks. The uh, better-than-part-timer Joe Root picked up a couple of wickets. Alex Carey hits a six and then gets out straight away virtually, just spoons one to short cover and Ben Stokes. And Mitch Stark is out hooking seven for 186 at T. Now, it wouldn't be an Ashes Test match without controversy. (laughs) We've had one every single match of the series. In fact, we've had multiple. But this is a very interesting one. Steve Smith's on 42 Comes back for a quick second. One of the 16 subfielders that England had on the ground <laughs> uh, in the back end of the day, George Elam, his name is. Well done, Sam, for finding that one out. Swoops, throws back to Johnny Bairstow. This review goes on for ages. Mm. And then eventually, Steve Smith is found not out. Take us through it. Yeah, George Elam, son of England all-rounder Mark Elam. So a bit of pedigree there. And this was very much the... Gary Pratt moment yes. of 2005, but a different result, fortunately. And Ricky Ponting was even in the commentary box this time. So it all the stars aligned for this one. <laughs> you could just hear his blood boiling <laughs> as he was talking yeah. about it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as you said, Elam swoops in, picks up and throws in one motion. It was so fluid. It was just a tremendous piece of ball, of, of fielding. Uh, throws the, to the, uh, the striker's end. Steve Smith puts the big dive in and replay show that he was just short. But then on closer inspection, uh, the third umpire found that Berso actually broke the stumps more with his forearm and the bail wasn't completely off with Smith behind the line. So it's a tricky one. The laws say, law 29.1, the stump is broken when at least one bail is completely removed from the top of the stumps or one or more stumps is removed from the ground. So it just didn't quite come out at the top of the stump. There's a name for those things, Sprigget or something. I'll look, like that. I'll look yeah. it up. I'll, yep. We'll get it to you by the end. We're getting very MCC. I know. <laughs> they make the rules, Jack. That's they true. They make the rules. That's true. Uh, but he got a reprieve on, on 42, uh, 43 with that completed one run. Uh, yeah, big moment. England looked perplexed uh, when the big screen showed the result. Um, it's not an Ashes test. 
without a bit of controversy and Steve Smith got away with one there. To the absolute letter of the law, the absolute letter of 29.1, it was the right decision in the end. So Steve Smith, it's almost as if he got a life and he thought, okay, we're getting on with things now. He eventually gets out for 71. You could be forgiven for, if you're an Aussie fan, you're staying up late, you're thinking, okay, we're about to be rock and rolled here. They'll go through the tail and we'll reload. But then Paddy Cummins and Todd Murphy get together at the back end of the innings and Todd Murphy in particular, they, the shorter they bowled, the further he was hitting him. He hit three sixes. He put Mark Wood into the stands a couple of times over fine leg. In, in the scheme of things, this partnership between the skipper and Todd Murphy was the difference between Australia having a lead or no lead. Yeah, and a big deficit. So it was incredibly, incredibly important. Uh, you're right about hooking Mark Wood to the fence. He did it with ease too. These were not uncontrolled hoicks. These were very much technical hook shots and pull shots over deep fine leg. Uh, it was definitely a hot zone because Ben Stokes moved himself down there. He took Joe Root, who's a great fielder, out of that position and put himself down there in the last catch of the innings. Showed what a great fielder Ben Stokes is. But it was a vital innings by Todd Murphy. And also makes you think, you look back at that Manchester match and they pick Cameron Green, probably because he was that extra batting option. Let's be honest, that's probably why they did it. They knew that they could draw that game and, and get away with the ashes. But he's not a bad batter. Like he's actually, in terms of skill, he's probably up there with Nathan Lyon at such a young age. Uh, he showed he showed great temperament. He handled the fast stuff from Mark Wood very well. Uh, and putting those 49 runs on in quick time with mm. with uh, Pat Cummins only 68 balls, uh, yeah, really sort of, not. I wouldn't say turned the game, but took some of the momentum away from England. Just good for his confidence too. Took yep. a couple of wickets with mm-hmm. the ball in the first innings and then played an important role with the bat. He's a big part of Australia's future, Todd Murphy, yep. so it's good to see. So it's a 12-run lead for Australia. One inning shootout, as we mentioned, off the top. We're going to come back and tell you what happens next on the other side of this. This is Ashes Talk. Day two's completed. This is Ashes Talk. Willow talks Ashes updates every single match day of the series. Sam Ferris and Jack Heverin taking you through it. Um, let's go through a little bit of who said what, Sam, in particular from a an English point of view. I can't help but feel like they had Australia on the hook and might have let us off a little bit. Yeah, and Steve Smith summed it up pretty well. It was a disappointing day. Yep, they wanted more out of this day <laughs> from uh, a run's perspective. It wasn't great for Australia. I was asked earlier on day two, what would happen? And I said, my heart says Australia makes 480 and bats them out of the game, but my head says we'll scratch our way to like 330 and leave it hanging in the balance. Not quite that many runs, but the game certainly (laughs) is in the balance. Uh, This test series just, I mean, apart from that one blowout at Manchester, it's just been neck and neck the whole way with completely contrasting styles. Uh, We've seen it the way that the teams bat and bowl, um, even in the field, England are picking their picking up um, their standards there. And as we said before, um, the, the the innings ended with Pat Cummins trying to slog Joe Root to boundary, and Ben Stokes takes one of those, I guess, kind of routine now catches where they uh, parry the ball over the boundary rope and land back in the field of play and take the catch quite comfortably. So, uh, yeah, that was disappointing for Australia because apart from that first session, the sun did come out. And yep. if they were trying to play to put 
extra overs in the legs of the England quicks and bat when the sun was out. They just missed a trick there, losing those six wickets in the second session. Uh, and you saw how tired the England bowlers were and you can cash in late in the day and they just missed a trick. So it's a one-inning shootout, you're right. Which is fascinating because to me, one-inning shootout suits this basball style of yeah. play. Like it, all it needs for them is, is Zach Crawley or – Someone in the in the top four, Harry Brook, even to get away at five, and and this thing becomes uh, very very interesting from an Aussie point of view. I always love some of the stats that you bring to the table. It's part of the joy of having you here on Willow Talk. Uh, take us through a couple of the good ones. All right, uh, Marnus Labuschagne. I alluded to this earlier. Last time a player scored slower against England than Marnus's strike rate of eleven runs per hundred balls with a minimum of fifty balls faced. So there is a caveat here was back in 1882 at the Oval, a guy named Alec Bannerman, the proud Aussie. Do you know what's significant about that test, Jack? Uh, well, I wasn't there, so tell me about it. That was the test the Ashes were born. Ah. So you have to go right back to the start of the Ashes for that record. Uh, yeah, tough for Marnus. It, 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 there weren't many false strokes. He just didn't look like scoring, just kept button the ball back and leaving a lot, leaving a lot of deliveries. Um, we're talking about how close this test series is. Three of the five tests so far this series have had a first innings deficit of 30 runs or fewer. Before this series, that happened, uh, a deficit of 30 runs or fewer in a test match happened on six occasions in the previous 20 Ashes series combined. Gee. So it just shows how close it is. Um, it's always been a bit of a coin flip at the halfway stage, and it, it is again. Um, I haven't quite looked to see what records indicate when chasing a target at the oval, but there are so many overs left, so much time left. Um, who knows? Who knows what it's going to look like? Just pulsating. Can't take your eyes off this series. Uh, t- tonight's going to be absolutely fantastic. Give us your player to watch for day three. Before I do that, I'm going to – Circle back to something I said. It's a spigot. I think I said spigot. It's a spigot. The bale, that's the, the, the little um, pointy end of the bales. You know, they're uneven once it's yep. on the outside and they sit in the groove at the top of the stumps. So there you go for all your for all that cricket nuffies out there. Bale. <laughs> There's people that have been hanging on that. I know. Bale and spigot. Forget the stats. <laughs> this is what they came for, but cricket terminology. Uh, player to watch. Okay. I think it's got to be the skipper. He bowled sensationally well. It's the best one for 66 you'll ever see in your life in the first innings. Created chances, of course. This game would have looked heaps differently if Kerry had taken Harry Brook on five. Uh, he looks refreshed. He looks determined. When he What he did with the bat today reminded me of the first test when they got out of jail and won. Uh, I, I just think he's so determined to be that first skipper to win in England since 2001. Uh he is primed. It's going to be Pat Cummins on day three. I love that. Uh, he was mine as well. So just okay. for a point of difference, I'm going to don't I'm say Zach Crawley. Don't say no, Zach no, Crawley. No, I said that last time he made 180. <laughs> I, know, that's I, what I'm I haven't bought. I haven't bought that up until now. By the way, too. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the man that's. I think they're they're going to have to attack England. There's no question about that. They are going to come at Australia really, really hard. One last chance with the bat. It's their strength. The way that they bat. Paddy Cummins will be there to take wickets. Joshua, Reginald, Hazelwood oh. is very, very important for Australia just to bowl dot balls, just to try and hold up that other end. And you feel like if they're going to go after anyone, it will be at the other end. Stark and Cummins will operate from one end. So Joshy Hazelwood's got a really big role to play, I reckon. Oh, I like that. I thought you would have gone Todd Murphy. I just – I worry how much of the ball he'll see. If it, if it gets – if it gets nasty or if it gets to the way that we all think it's going to go, where they're, they're charging at Australia, right, the, 
I'm a bit burned by what happened in the third test. I wonder whether the skipper holds the ball back from the spinner. He shouldn't, yeah. but I wonder whether he will. But they were going they were going pretty quick when he gave him the ball in the first innings and he True. slowed it down and got Moeen and came back and picked up another wicket later. So his change of pace might be what uh, slows down the baseball train. All right, I'm changing my mind. I've got to go with the Victorians, then I'm going to go with Tom Wait, Murphy. wait, wait, wait. Two things. He's a he's a born and bred New South Welshman. Let's put that out there first of all. Born and that's young. That's why he plays for Australia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. You get your baggy blue and your baggy green. Although he hasn't got a baggy blue. No. Baggy navy blue. Uh, and I did give you credit for the Zach Crawley shout out. I did, I did hear that and I do, do appreciate it as well. So day two is in the books. Australia with a 12-run lead. Of all the day's play that you're about to see in the Ashes, day three could be the most fascinating of the entire lot. Can't wait to get back with you tomorrow and break it all down. Sam, until then, stay well, and we'll be back tomorrow. Catch you then. Thanks for being with us on Ashes Talk. 